This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to A Complete History of Manchester United. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, author and producer of several Manchester United books and films. I'm joined, as always, on this journey by the legendary football writer Paddy Barclay. And, of course, Paddy is the author of this book, which we've been referencing throughout the podcast series to this point, the definitive biography of Sir Matt Busby, the man who made a football club. Um, and, of mm-hmm. course, that's the um, title of the paperback. Not necessarily the title of the hardback, um, but either edition. I'd get both for your library, that's what I would say, because <laughs> everyone needs a fuller library. Um, yeah. This is actually the first episode after the Busby era, um, officially yeah. speaking, because obviously he was in charge um, for, for much of the previous season. <laughs> Wilf McGuinness is now in charge at Manchester United. Oh, mm. oh, we shall debate whether or not that's the actual case. If, if you're watching this video, please give us a like and subscribe. Join in the conversation in the comment section. Um, you can join in live or on catch-up as well because we still reply to the comments. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, please be sure to subscribe and give us a review on the platform you're listening on. Um, okay, Paddy, let's start with this. Wilf McGuinness, he's got the season, he's got the summer in charge to lay down his foundations. From everything that... I mean, you and I both talked to Wilf for in various interviews. We know yes. how much he loves United. Yes. It seemed very much that rather than have radical ideas of what he wanted to do, he was he was so faithful to what the club had done that he just wanted to continue it, right? That was the idea behind Wolves' yes. manifesto, if you want to say. Yes, yes, yes. He, he was, as you say, loyal loyal to the club um, in, in an extraordinary way. <clears throat> I mean, his his loyalty might be compared to his, his playing style, you know, fierce. Yeah. And um, a total. Um, and yes, when you know when it was the end, um, yeah, it would be it would be messy for him um, and for everybody else. But um, yeah, when he took over, as we said in the last episode, it seemed to make sense. It seemed to chime with the times. A young coach in charge, but with the um, 
with the sagacity of, of an a aging Busby, when I say aging, 60 years of age, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't appear too young now. It's uh, almost a generation less than I am as, as, as we speak. But we were talking about different times and we were talking about a man who had uh, survived, a, yeah. I wouldn't say a near-death experience, but a, an experience worse than that in the sense that he'd lost um, sort of the next best thing to children in, in the Busby Babes and had to cope with that and the guilt and everything else. So he was probably old before his time. He, he, in, I think in, in the season we're talking about, 69, 70, he actually celebrated his 60th birthday or just before. So, yeah, he was there in the background, yeah. Um, Jimmy Murphy as well, we, we, a name that we haven't really talked about since the FA Youth Cup win. Yeah. And, uh, we yeah. talked about it briefly in the European Cup. And so yeah. it was prominent in um, cajoling the players in extra time and comforting the Benfica oh, yeah. players after extra time. But he's been sort of moved away, not in a in a sort of direct way by McGuinness. He hasn't intentionally tried to marginalise Jimmy Murphy, but you got to remember that Busby and Murphy were so overpowering to him. Like, they were so imposing their personalities that when he, he's come into the... The role, and this is his first fresh season. He's trying to do things his own way. That he's almost not wanting to take on their advice and information because he wants to try and do it his own way. He wants to prove that he can stand on his own two feet. Now we're going to see in the early weeks how Busby, how Busby's sort of influence um, interferes with that in a certain way. But as far as Jimmy Murphy was concerned, Jimmy was almost instantly marginalised, wasn't he? he? Was sort of like not in, like saying intentional thing, but because he was almost too deferential, McGuinness, and too frightened to ask for this advice for it to be seen that he was going to um, undermine him in a certain way, that he, he was trying desperately to stand on his own two feet with that. So Murphy, he was doing day-to-day -day stuff around the club, but he was almost instantly sort of transformed into this scouting role where he would go and scout yeah. opponents and, and players. Yes. He could never have had the relationship with... Uh with Wilf that he had with Busby because uh, although you know in, in many people's eyes and, and in the you know you know you as a as one of the club's historians self-appointed historians but brilliant nonetheless um, uh, would 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 argue that that Murphy was the equal of Busby and uh, so their relationship was was hand in glove but uh so it would be impossible for a young whippersnapper called wilf mcginnis but even though jimmy had obviously been fundamental in <coughs> instilling murphy-like attitudes in him in in his playing career uh, to have had that kind of relationship it just could never have could never have worked so it, i mean when you look back at it with that wisdom of hindsight you could you, you can you can perhaps see a reason for the beginning of, of, of Jim, the, the seeds of Jimmy Murphy's estrangement for the club. Although, as we go through um, the, uh, the the next few episodes, probably I would guess about five episodes down the line, we will discover the great Jimmy Murphy revival, but that's for another day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, he'd be off scouting. I think so you've got uh, an era of change and that does translate onto the pitch as well because the first thing McGuinness wants to do 
is make big statements to sort of stamp out any idea that he's not in charge. And that the first the first major change really is I say major change. The first major statement he makes after a couple of games. We'll talk about the permanent exiling of a player in a moment, but there was a very temporary one because he dropped Bobby mm. Charlton and Dennis Law. And yes, it was so. I mean, we'll talk about the individual players who came in as well. But this was a statement, Paddy. I mean, yeah. why was he? Why do you think that Will felt that he had to do this at this moment in time to drop both of these players, considering how high profile they were? Well, it was felt. <clears throat> that that um, I mean, you could uh, if you were to become a, a pseudo psychiatrist, I'm sure you could try and sort of work out some right. You know, you you were better than me, and now I'm going to show you. Uh, but uh, no, no, uh, that's just simply doesn't ring true when you know Wolf's character. It was. I mean, he wasn't wrong. It was an aging team. The team had peaked. Be even before in the in the estimation of John Aston Jr., who was a member of it, the team had peaked even before they won the European Cup, and so <clears throat> to continue, you know, just to, to go straight in and, and and carry out major surgery on it um, now, probably a year on from the seeds of the decline, um, was the right thing to do. It's just that Wilf wasn't the right man to do it because he'd been their brother yeah you know he'd been the, a brother to charlton and uh, charlton especially and uh and to law as well so it it it, it just he just wasn't it, with, again with the wisdom of hindsight he just wasn't the man to do it but he was doing the right thing and it it it, it another reason that he wasn't the right man to do it was that matt who still felt he owed those great players for the combination of his uh, of his sort of redemptive triumph in, in the European Cup 10 years after Munich. He felt that he owed him them a debt that went beyond football and even though Lord didn't play in the final, but it, that uh, he was always there to comfort them, you know, like the, you know, the divisive parent who, who, who's always there to to pick up uh, the children after they've been scolded by by the, the parent who's actually doing a parent's job. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely right with that. That was kind of like Busby's role for this season. But yes, where, as far as McGuinness is concerned, you, you're quite right that. And even when we did the the film Too Good to Go Down, which you you were part of, they, they opened the clip. Chose a really good clip to open the film, and it was Bobby Charlton talking a few years after, and he yeah. was saying that. You know the changes could have been made before the European Cup, and he could have been part of that change as well. I think he was probably selling himself short because he still had a contribution, but the point he was making was valid. In yes. this, but the, the, there's another great quote which um, Tommy Docherty would later say as well, and this was further down the line, but it still rang true in the summer of 1969. There's no one of the biggest problems in uh, football. Is a senior player coming to the end because they I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's uh, it's un, it's unmanageable. Ask ask the ghost of Brian Clough after his Leeds experience. You know, um, it, it it you know they they will probably win because people are in power around the club are, um, are, are are still feel a debt to those great players. You know, and <clears throat> so. 
yes, it was it, it was the impossible job to borrow a phrase used in a different context. Um, but but that was that was the way it was. And and meanwhile, still there was was Matt Busby. I mean, we talk about his job being, uh, you know, to, to to be there for the older players, and, and certainly that's true. But he he remained general manager in more than name. He he did the transfers as um, as one of the big money incomers um, that we're going to discuss in this program um, was to was to find out. Yeah, so so we'll get on to that. Obviously, Busby will not call it interference, but it was kind of like um, advice to McGuinness. I wouldn't have dropped um, Charlton and Law, and Charlton and yeah. Law were back in for the yeah. next game. Uh, one player who wasn't able to survive that kind of um, grace from Busby was Bill Folks. Three games into the season, Southampton come to Old Trafford. They win 4-1. It's um, a game that's really defined by Ron Davies scoring four times, bullying yeah. Bill Folks in a, in a manner that he'd never been accustomed to before. And um, his career was creeping into its 18th season, just three games old. Um, that took his total to 688 appearances and nine goals. I mean, you all want, and we talked about the, the curse of the senior player who doesn't know he's coming to yeah. the end. Um, you all want a glorious career to have such a, a strong flourish or, or even a great fight against a great opponent. But sadly for Bill, that wasn't to be. Um, it, so this was the sort of epitaph of his career, um, losing to Southampton at home and, and conceding four goals to Ron Davies. Um, he moved into the coaching staff. He would eventually move, move into a kind of coaching role where he'd be looking after the reserve team. But as we'll find out in this season, um, season as well, his first uh, migration into that kind of area was to work as a sort of a fitness coach, which very much screamed jobs for the boys. We'll just make something for Bill So. Yes, and, and Bill was a fitness fanatic, so it seemed like yeah. Well, he was thirty-seven by now, and and he, you know, just dropped out of the first team. So, uh, yeah, that was a testament to to his fitness, and um, also a reflection. <clears throat> yeah, it was. It, 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 he was. He was a very fit lad. I mean, yes, he was a centre half, but he also played fullback, um, and so he'd done a lot of running. Um, so it was a it was a good choice his fitness was. Cool. Yeah, um, so he needed to be replaced. There was Paul Edwards in the reserve team. He came up and he was playing first at all, first of all, a right back, and then he moved into the centre yeah. position. But they wanted to bring in someone from the outside, and they did. You mentioned you alluded to this name earlier. We've talked about yeah. him in previous episodes. Let, let's get on to the subject of Ian Ewer. Yes, indeed. Now, Ian Ewer, I think we I think we mentioned in the last episode a punch up between Dennis Law. And Ian Ewer, uh, I think it was at Old Trafford. I think both were sent off. Um, but it was a proper bunch up. And it's there's a lot of evidence that Busby took a look at that and said, yes, that's our new Bill Folks. The man, you know, is, is not going to put up with anything. He's big and he's aggressive with it. Um, and this, this was Ian Ewer. Um, and eventually... Um, if Busby does institute with McGuinness's acquiescence, the um, the signing of Ian Ewer from Arsenal. Now, I remember Ian Ewer from Dundee, the club I supported from boyhood. And he was part of our team, which won the league, the Scottish League in 1961-62, and then went on to reach the European Cup semi-finals the following year 
62, 63. And Ian, Ian's reputation was not as a bruiser, uh, even though he looked physically imposing with his great thighs and his, I think, certainly in those days, a blonde crew cut. Um, he's still around, by the way, and I, I, I like to think he's a friend of mine and we keep in touch from time to time. But he, um, yeah, was a, was a footballing centre-half. And but when he went to England, Bertie, me at Arsenal, and uh, and then Matt saw him as somebody who could impose his will will, will physically on on centre forwards like Ron Davis or anybody else who fancied a bit. So that's fair enough. Lots of players are think they're one kind of player and are bought for another. Dennis thought he was a midfield. Thought he was Brian Robson. And yet he became one of the greatest strikers the British game and indeed the European game, in my opinion, has ever seen. So, yeah, you can play a guy out, 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 somewhat away from his nature. Um, Ian Yo was completely miscast, I think, as a, as a bruiser. And he came in, moreover, when he came to Old Trafford, he wasn't fit for purpose. He wasn't fit. He was had such bad knee problems relating from his time at Arsenal that, he, as he told me, he he was taking a, a kind of pill to ease the pain for the 90 minutes of a Saturday afternoon uh, that was later ruled illegal for consumption by racehorses, let alone <laughs> human beings. So... <laughs> He was not in a good way, as was proved after he, you know, we're jumping ahead, but after he left United, where he, you know, because of his injuries, he, he just made a negative impression, I would say, on the on the support. He went to St. Mirren, which you would think was a, quite a step downwards, so he'd be all right there. Only lasted about half a, half a dozen games at St. Mirren, and that was the end yeah. of his career, so... Um, it was a real blunder by Busby to um, sign him, to sign a crop, basically. Um, and, and, and Ian remembered the, 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 um, the, I can't remember which of the United backroom staff, maybe Jack Crompton, uh, he sort of flexed his knee, each knee a little bit and said, fine, okay, that's your fitness test over. And he signed. Uh, so it was, yeah, very, very ill-fated, ill-fated move. However, it lest it be forgotten, um, he brought, he returned. Ian came into the team instead of Paul Edwards, who was twenty-one, and they'd been struggling. And Matt and Wilf asked Matt, "What team would you pick?" They'd been beaten. 3-0 at Everton on a Tuesday. And Wilf went to Matt and said, what team would you pick for Saturday? And Busby gave him a team, and he picked it. Um, Charlton and Law returned for John Aston and Don Gibbons, who no doubt will come on to during this episode. Um, and Eeyore came in instead of, the, instead of Paul Edwards. <coughs> United drew 0-0 at Wolves. And they went on to complete an unbeaten 10-match run, which, considering the form they'd been in, was a huge improvement. So it is fair to say that Ewer, when he first came in, did help to steady the McGuinness ship um, yeah. at that 
for, the, for at least that 10 match period. Yeah, they started really poorly. They no win in the first six games, three losses, just three goals scored as well. Um, and obviously that embarrassing loss at uh, home to Southampton, but also two losses to Everton. Um, both came in early in the season and Everton were a brilliant side, champions elect, but um, still a, a terrible start for United nonetheless. Um, in the early autumn, with the defence stabilised, Best turned it on. His form was great, 10 goals in 10 games. But opponents were now beginning to discover that with the other players ageing or not fit, and therefore the replacement's not good enough to play, it was a lot easier to stop George if they could put two men on him. George would become frustrated with this, and began to indulge in his private life a little bit more, which meant arriving late for training and stuff like that, sometimes not turning up. For, for training at all um, so the the post started effectively ruled United out of any serious challenge for the league but they, they did well in the Cups in the League Cup they get to the semi-final before Christmas, the second leg against Manchester City, United are eliminated drawing at Old Trafford um, George is involved in an altercation with the referee Jack Taylor he knocks the ball out of his hands and he's banned for four weeks He's back in time to face Northampton in the FA Cup. And, and Paddy, this is one of the seminal games of football of George Best's career. Because, yes, Northampton, a lower league opponent. But United yeah. go there. They win 8-2. George Best scores six of those goals. Yeah. Ken Jones of the Mirror describes the performance <laughs> um, in this way. He says, Best destroyed them as completely as one man can destroy others without inflicting physical damage. It was an absolute masterclass of a performance, wasn't it? Yes, it was on a muddy pitch. <clears throat> I was going to say, as I recall, uh, but I, re I stress that I recall this from uh, from <laughs> from television. I wasn't actually there, but <clears throat> but as yes, the photograph that's on our screens for those who have screens um, at the moment shows that the pitch was indeed muddy, um, and that and that George is, looks almost as if he's wearing a an all dark strip in fact he's got white shorts on and uh and white socks but uh yeah he's uh, no he doesn't have white socks on sorry i withdraw that appalling uh, error um and scoring one of his goals which surrounded by distraught northampton players but yes it was a memorable performance um you know people even remember the name of the Southampton, the Northampton goalkeeper, Kim Booth. Yeah. <clears throat> Such was, you know, even the supporting cast won Oscars for that performance. Yeah, great. Some of the goals, well, I mean, you want to watch a player. Um, he obviously had a lot to prove in the time out, incidentally. So he's out for four, four matches, which I think it was six weeks that he eventually spent on the sidelines. Bill Folks took him to a gym. In his new um, role as fitness coach, and got got best ready, and, and firing obviously determined to prove something. They were again we're in the days of United not really doing well in the FA Cup, and like George Best in particular, with his fondness for Wembley, was desperate to get there. They yeah. almost did. They came up against Leeds in the um, semi-final of the FA Cup. Leeds a very very physical side. It was a very very physical game, but United yeah. again their own worst enemies because ahead of. The, the game goes to two replays effectively. Ahead of the first replay, there is, I think it's at Villa Park. United are staying in a um, hotel in Birmingham. George Best 
um, in, in preparation for the game, <laughs> sees a nice woman in the reception area and decides to take her up to his room. Um, this is sort of played out like a cat and mouse game where everyone's trying to deny it. Other people don't want Best to be caught because he's so integral to United's chances. McGuinness mm. um, finds out and his initial intention, Paddy, is to drop George from the game because he wants to make us well, he's he basically a, a comment on team discipline, but he's he's overruled again. Yes. <clears throat> yes, well, by now, George was drinking heavily uh, as well. I mean, the womanizing on that occasion um, was, you know, upset his teammates. It was just considered... Too much of a Mickey day, you know, and uh, it was he did have a, a, a very very poor game. The, the Leeds players were aware of what was what had happened as well, um, and he had a poor poor game. And and I suppose when you look at all the things that were wrong, the backbiting, the unhappiness of senior players. Um, and there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It was remarkable that Wilf Over saw a, a, a rise over the season of three league places, plus um, those, you know, those semi-finals. I mean, under Matt, in Matt's last season, they'd fallen in the quarters, I think. So, you know, it wasn't, a whole wholly a disaster, although it's very, very difficult all around. Yeah, um Leeds overcome United after a second replay. Yeah. Scotland late on. Um United, like you said, the narrow failures into semi finals. Um McGuinness his progress from the previous season and if you're looking at it in isolation, you would say on results or or at least like the, the statement at the end of the season where United compared to where they were. You've got a case to say that McGuinness has actually done quite well from what had happened before, but we're looking at the bigger picture and what the, what is inherited and the mess which is in there. And there was nothing really completely convincing because then the players had this extra stick to beat McGuinness with. Well, you've you've not actually got to the final, which is quite unfair considering United hadn't been to an FA Cup final since '63. They'd never mm-hmm. been to a League Cup final. It's on incumbent on them to to raise the game, and obviously, Best's wayward attitude had a massive impact on, and really on both semi-finals because he was since disciplining the um, League Cup and then ill-disciplined before the game um, against yeah. Leeds. So, I mean, having done so well in in previous big games, perhaps Best's attitude costing them somewhat this season. United play in this 
terrible idea of a third place playoff in the FA Cup. So they actually finished third third in the FA Cup after beating Watford. I'd forgotten all about that. Yeah. Well, a... it's up there with the Watney Cup, isn't it? Absolutely ridiculous. It's um, it, it would be like um, you know, in the, the Olympics, not giving the beaten semi-finalists a bronze each. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. Third, third place playoffs are the, my, my, my pet hate. I, I absolutely detest them. Yeah. The, um, I don't think they the losers. They, yeah, the, the, the players don't want to be part of it. They didn't want no. to be part of it. Nobody, I mean, there was a famous story about Alex Stepney wanting to, he wanted to stay behind because the season was going nowhere at the end. This was another clash with uh, McGuinness. Stepney, knowing that the season was petering out and not going anywhere, knowing that Rimmer um, was McGuinness's favourite anyway, even though Stepney had mostly been first choice. Yeah. After the game <laughs> against Watford, which was held down, I think it was Highbury, um, United win. But Stepney says to McGuinness, can I stay back for the end, you know, for a few days? It doesn't really matter where we're going in the league. Um, McGuinness um, says no. Stepney goes to the boss. He says, I'll ask the boss then. And yeah, yeah. Stepney, to be fair, whenever I've talked to him, I'm sure that you have talked to him about this yeah. as well, Stepney regrets doing that because he, he felt that he contributed to the undermining of McGuinness, which at least shows that there's some responsibility in that squad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes, there was. Well, of course, Stepney is, uh, uh, is, is a bit of a special bloke. He's... Uh, a rare human being, actually. He's a, uh, a really fine man. And uh, it, it's greatly to his credit that in reviewing it, I mean, a lot of footballers, even even really good ones, review <coughs> their own careers in, with an uncritical eye. Yeah. Uh, not Stepney. So it, it's it's good to hear that, that, that he said that, even though he will have felt very justified. Um, being usurped while his form didn't appear to be deteriorating. No, absolutely not. There's one thing to be said in a, a team that had a lot of instability, and yeah. we'll, we'll talk about for in, in forthcoming seasons because Stepney was such a. It became like an obvious target, like oh, we'll replace the goalkeeper, we'll replace the goalkeeper, but it wasn't that simple. And what you're actually um, sacrificing by that. <clears throat> kind of target is losing the stability that Stepney gave to the team. So whenever he, he was taken out, he was not, notable by his absence, basically. So when he came yes. back in, even, even though he didn't seem to be having a profound difference after sort of 10 or 11 games, it was yeah. when he came out again that you would realise, oh my God, he's actually such a calming influence on that back line. Yeah. Um, you don't want to be making that change hasty. But that, I mean, this is something that McGuinness thought about in 1969-70. Well, in 68-69 when he first got the job because he was putting memory in straight away. But this carried on for 10 years. A, a complete undervalue of Stepney, really, is on what he brought to the side. So mm -hmm. um, just the start of that. Anyway, let's get through to the squad statistics. Like Paddy said, United finished in eighth and semi-finals in both Cups. So the squad statistics, Stepney was the uh, first-choice goalkeeper this season. I'll put the um, tactics on the screen while I'm going through um, the yeah. goalkeepers. Um, so we see uh, Francis, yeah. Bird, the first choice right back, Edwards, more or less there, uh, eking out David Sadler, but Sadler as well, mostly playing. I, I put Edwards in there just to notify the fact they played 28 games, but Sadler did, as I'll come on to, play 
57. So he really should have been in that one. I just wanted to indicate that Sad, uh, that Edwards had been given a, a run in the side. But I'll be coming yes. on to it in due course. Um, and you'll see it's that. Inter- interesting, actually, when you look, two of those names leap out. Francis Burns, of course, very unlucky um, in his career so far, largely because of injury. Both he and John Fitzpatrick, who still played a lot of games in midfield, as, as your um, tactics board reveals. Um, both of them were suffering from injury. It wasn't just um, Dennis who was suffering yeah. appallingly. Who he was caught his own injection before every game. Um, just as well they didn't give him Ian Ewer's Arsenal pills, wasn't it? And <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but Burns, Fitzpatrick, and and Best suffered from injury during the season. And and Dennis was later to reflect that. Yes, they had a lot of fun in those days, but my goodness, the medical backup for players today is something, is the thing he would like most of all, yeah, uh, yeah. looking back on his own career. But there we go. Sorry to interrupt, uh, Wayne. Let's uh, no, go. No, no. You've got Willie Styles. Morgan, Willie Morgan and, jo- and, and Tony Dunn, you know, what, what marvellous servants to the club. They're still there, um, still providing a little bit of something to lean on you know yeah yeah absolutely their their consistency is much like Stenton is quite undervalued in, in where it comes in all the you know it, it could have been even worse if they weren't reliable um but you see that the team there is like five or six changes from the European Cup already and we're only two years removed from it so it tells you a lot about although a lot of those players like Styles, like Law. They are still still at the club, like Aston. They're still at the club. Um, we'll get through yeah. to. The oh, sorry, I, I missed out Styles. In, in, in you know, Styles was a crock by now. Yeah, um, as well. You know, knee knee problems. Stepney first choice, 50, uh, 54 games in all competitions this oh, season, yeah. and um, thirty seven in the league. R- Jimmy Rimmer makes five league appearances. Yeah. Um, we'll get on to the defense. Shea Brennan makes ten appearances in all competitions. Um, well, eleven. One of those a substitute appearance. Nine in all. Well, nine of those in the league. Francis Burns now the um, first choice right back. Forty-two appearances in all competitions. Three goals. Thirty-two in the league. Tony Dunn. Thirty-three appearances in the league. Forty-eight in all competitions without a goal. Paul Edwards, as um, we we previously discussed, a local lad, made his debut right at the start of the season. Broke through, like I said, as a right back. Um, but then would establish himself as a centre-back once um, really it's associated with Sadler's um, I'd say demise from the side as well as, as anything. Yeah. Um, but he scored one goal for the club. That came this season. It was in, actually in the, the failed League Cup semi-final. It was an absolute blockbuster of a long-range shot, but he was unable to sort of match that. Um, and obviously because... At that time, you've got Burns, who was the dominant right-back. Edwards was more or less seen as a squad option until next season when um, he would um, really be given um, more of a starting role. 28 appearances, though, for for, um, Paul this season. Bill Folks and Steve James reduced to just three appearances each. Three of Folks, all of them in the league. Two for James in the league. David Sadler, as I previously mentioned, 57 appearances in all competitions, three goals, 40 appearances and two goals in the league. Brings us to Ian Yo and that wonderful Ed of 
blonde hair. Uh, 48 appearances despite the knee problem. A single goal for United this season, 34 in the league. Um, is mentioned as Wolf McGuinness's only signing, of course, as, as Paddy mentioned. It's very much um, a Matt Busby signing. He was pictured with Busby and Murphy. <laughs> <There is. laughs> it couldn't have been more of a Busby signing. Of course, he was a Dundee hero. We've got to revisit that of title winning fame. And while we're mentioning his statue in the game, he went to Arsenal for a fee that was a world record fee for a centre-half, and he did that Sorry. again when he moved to United. So it is a reminder of how um, high, highly thought of he was in the game, but he was yeah. suffering from that chronic knee injury that he, he got picked up pretty early on at Arsenal. Um, yeah. He said he actually said of George Best, and this is in, uh, he will have definitely said this to you, and I know he said it elsewhere as well, he should have been dealt with, and I would yeah. have got rid of him, which gives you an um an idea of how best was perceived from the outside. Yes, uh, I, 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 absolutely. Um, uh, he, you know, he went through, you went through the injury problems and he said, but even George Best should have gone. It would have caused the sensation. But by the time I got there, he was drinking heavily three or four nights a week. He was a great player and the nicest guy, but he'd become a bad influence on the club. And yet he was kind of holding the club up at the same time. So yeah. uh, this was the dilemma that, uh, that, that well, that any manager of Manchester United would have faced at that time and for a few years after. Yeah, absolutely. Um, John Aston, 29, uh, 30 appearances in all competitions. A single oh, really? League. As many as that? That's good. Yeah. 22 in the league, one substitute appearance. Uh, Bobby Charlton, 14 goals in 57 games, another outstanding return. Yeah. Um, 12 goals in 40 in the league. Paddy Creran reduced to just 25 appearances in the league, 36 in all competitions. And yeah, a single Fitzpatrick would have, would have yeah. Yeah, taken over from him. Yeah. Well, Fitzpatrick, um, due to his own knee injuries, um, 26 appearances and three goals, yeah. but he was very much seen as the... Um, the, the successor to Crerand or, or even to Styles, they've partnered each other for, for much of the season. Uh, Fitzpatrick, 20 goals, uh, 20 appearances in the league, 20 goals, he would have been happy with that, wouldn't they? 20 appearances yeah. in the league and three goals. Um, Willie Morgan on the right, a really good re return from him for goals because he wasn't renowned as a great goal scorer, but nine goals in 49 games, seven in 35 in the league. Um, George Best, top goal scorer. 23 goals in 53 games, wow. 15 in 37 in the league, but obviously six of those um, in the overall total accounted for uh, by Ken Buck at Northampton, yeah. picking the ball out of the net. Uh, the backup wingers, Jimmy Ryan, a single substitute appearance um, this season, which shows you how reliable really uh, Morgan was, but also even though Best was struggling, 53 games was still um, a good Return for him, even though he was getting a flogging every time he stepped onto the pitch. Um, the other backup in the midfield area would have been Carlos Otore, a forward in earlier days, but moving back into midfield now, yeah, on those wide areas. Three goals in 29 appearances for him this season, two in 17 in the league. And Nobby Styles make just 13 appearances this season, eight of those in the league. That brings us on to the forward line, Alan Gowlin. Uh, we mentioned him in a previous episode as well, one of the smartest uh, United players of all time. 
eight goal, uh, eight appearances and three goals in all competitions, mm-hmm. seven appearances in the league and, and three goals there. Um, Don Givens, we spoke about him earlier on in the, the episode, another youth product given a chance right at the start of the season. He makes nine appearances and, and scores a single goal. Four of those appearances are starts in the league, eight appearances in the league in, in total because he makes four substitute appearances as well. Um, he was the player who was given Bobby Charlton's number nine shirt when he was dropped to Everton, when Charlton was dropped to Everton. But he only made these appearances for the club this in this single season, which was a shame for him because he, he was eventually transferred to Luton Town but really did show his class in the Republic of Ireland national team and most notably for QPR in a magnificent QPR team. So, yeah, just one goal in nine appearances, but as it turned out, a successful academy product from United um, just elsewhere. Um, People talk about Johnny Giles as one of the rare examples of a player who left United and went on to much uh, better things, but Don Givens, you could um, definitely give that description to as well. Um, Often fairly decried, unfairly decried as a big failure at United. He's just a victim of this transition at the moment. He's not Bobby Charlton. He's not Dennis Lowe, who is. But he's yeah. one of the first ones who suffers with that. Uh, Dennis right. Lowe himself, you mentioned earlier, 16 games this season is reduced to um, just 11 in the league, two goals in the league, three in all competitions, which leaves really the, the spot for Brian Kidd, who had been desperate <laughs> for team football. Um, and as we'll talk about in subsequent episodes, would become desperate again. He sort of benefited from this transition. Charlton plays a few games in the front line this season. Obviously, Lowe's struggled with it, but becomes the most reliable striker. Scores 20 goals in, in 49 games in all competitions, 12 wow. and 34 in, in the league. So a really good return for Kid and really showing that he deserves his opportunity and that he's, he's worthy of it as well. But um, unfortunately for him, as we'll come to discuss in, in future episodes, for whatever reason, because, again, maybe because he's not a Dennis Law or Bobby Charlton, that kind of consistency under underappreciated um, what he did mm. bring to the side. Um, let's go through the United review. Look, we have a change. There's no more mm. handshake. Very 70s design for the, the um, new decade. It's basically three large circles, one with uh, an image of one of the previous games, one with the name of the programme, United Review, and another with the name of the opposition in there. Very yeah. basic. That's a, a nice picture. Lovely picture, though, isn't it? Oh, yeah, and it gives... Um, the, the One thing <laughs> that the design of the programme does do is presents a bigger opportunity for a nice spread like that as well. Um, also presents this, which is a slight deviation from the way that teams were listed. Now, you'll yeah. remember from previous episodes, and me and Paddy have gone back and forth on this, particularly in the first five episodes, was the way that teams were laid out and they'd be the 2 3 5 formation. And yeah. we, like Paddy was quite right in saying it should be a 3 2 5, and then really yeah. over time, 3 2 2 3, which the Hungarians embarrassed when they inverted that at Wembley. Yeah. And now it's just making life easier for the programme makers. They're just going 1-11 to and listing the team because they don't want to get caught into any positional shenanigans. They don't want to be caught out with that. Yeah. um, It's it's an interesting programme. If you can keep that up on the screen that those of us who have screens can can see, um, the the team lists are surrounded by uh, adverts, of course, 
naturally one for the Manchester Evening News. Um, but uh, British Rail have decided to offer a ticket to Newcastle for United fans from Victoria Station, and that costs £2.25 return, uh, which is which is not bad, but I suppose, actually, if you take off inflation, it's just about the same as it would be now. Um, <laughs> but the, you, you, the, 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 the match programme, the team sheet on, on our, the team spread on our sheet, I'm glad you put up the one for the Old Trafford derby, Manchester United, Manchester City, because a point that we need to make, however little you may like it, Wayne, is that Manchester United were the second best team in Manchester yeah, uh, no. at, this, at this stage. Manchester City were had embraced the new football to the extent that they had a really good coaching from Malcolm Allison under the careful and knowledgeable eye of Joe Mercer. Mercer and Allison at that stage, though they were to have a schism, were as close as Busby and McGuinness were separate. And they'd produced a very, very good team um, because they, this, in this season, when United had been sort of nearly men in cups, City uh, had won the League Cup uh, after beating United in the semis and the Cup yeah. Winners' Cup uh, secured after victory over Gornick of Poland in Vienna. Um, so, uh, and, and, the, and the, the league was won by Everton under, under Harry Catrick. Um, but it's worth dwelling on that Manchester City team because uh, Joe Corrigan was in goal, Tony Book, um, Doyle Booth, Oaks. So they were very much still a big club. It, it had the um, Summerby Bell, Lee, Neil Young and so on. So they had, they had a very, very good team, very exciting team. And um, this just simply added to United's problems that they... You know, they were um, they were the they had no bragging rights in their own backyard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, United's colours this season: red, white, and red socks. Uh, all white away kit, and the blue kit, um, which was the third kit, was blue, white, and blue. Um, the average attendance back down again to fifty-one thousand one hundred and fifty-two, but they did have highs of sixty-three thousand. Um, against Manchester City in Middlesbrough, um, City in the League Cup, as we mentioned. Uh, best top scorer, as we've already mentioned there. The key results this season, you would say the semi-finals, City and Leeds, they're obvious places to start because they had such an influence in what would eventually be dogged against McGuinness yes. um, and what would stand against him. You would look at a season like this, you would look at the results and say, well, United won 4-1 at Anfield and I, I'm pretty sure I'm safe in saying they haven't won as handsomely there since that. But, <laughs> really? but they also lost 4-1 to Southampton at home and I think the 4-1 loss against Southampton and the, um, the Ron Davies Yeah, the Ron Davies, the Bill Folks thing, the, the fact that it was yeah. then followed by you know these players being dropped and everything like that it was very much a case of um, that defeat, that result really did in, it was indicative of, of the McGuinness era, um, even though it happened so early on in it. You mentioned the other trophy winners. Chelsea, of course, also won the FA Cup. It famously, yeah. a trophy was seen at Old Trafford. It was just won by Chelsea. And Dave Sexton would win 
a trophy at Old Trafford, but it just before Chelsea because the replay was held at Old Trafford. Um, <laughs> we're talking about Dundee's great <laughs> years earlier in the um, episode, but, but it was a great year for Scottish football. This one, 1970, uh, went to the World Cup. Um, Celtic got to the European Cup final, um, defeated by Feyenoord there. And the, the, the did Scotland get to that Summer's World Cup? I'm thinking 1974, but now I'm not sure about 1970. But that Summer's World Cup is remembered very fondly, of course, because it was crowned with one of the, one of the seminal finals, wasn't it? Brazil against Italy and Carlos. Uh, it, it, it was the, the best uh, international. It's only my opinion, but the Brazil produced the best international football team of all time yeah. in 1970. So, yeah. Um, that was uh, the, the team of Pele, Jairzinho, Gerson. So uh, the crossbar was was very, very high at that time. And uh, I think in 1970, you mentioned Scotland. Did you mention Celtic getting to the European Cup final? The, yeah, they got they were defeated by Feyenoord in the final. Feyenoord, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yes, it was it, Scottish football was still. It, uh, it's fair to say. Um, you know, you just need to look at the United team that year to see the, the sprinkling of, you know, Burns, Fitzpatrick, Law, um, who have I left out? You know, Scots all over the place, you know. So, um, yes, it's still fond days for a Scotland supporter like me to to look back on, yeah. And hopefully fun days for United fans to look forward to in the next episode because, you know, after that progress, which is definite, we can say eighth place in the league and two semi-finals. Surely Wolf McGuinness will do even better next time round. We will be back to check that out. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes for sure. If you're watching the video, please give it a like and subscribe. Join in the conversation in the comment section. If you're listening to the audio podcast, please be sure to subscribe and subscribe even and give it, give us a review on the platform you're listening on. We will be back next time to see how the Wolf McGuinness era continues. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.